When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Speakernomics, the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. My name is Tom Singer, and I have the honor to host this show, which is the official podcast of the National Speakers Association. Every single week, I get to interview leaders in our industry who will share ideas on how you can make your business thrive. And today, we're going to talk about visual storytelling. You know, as speakers, we all need to have photography that we have on our websites and that we use on social media. But how deeply do we all think about the visual storytelling aspect of the photographs that we have? So today, we are joined by John D'Amato. John is a professional photographer who works with speakers to make them pop in their photography. Hey, John, welcome to Speakernomics. Hey, Tom, thanks for having me, my friends. So, John, what are your two tips for speakers about visual storytelling? Okay, well, tip number one, when it comes to being in front of a camera, do not put on a show, just be yourself. And the second tip is when it comes to looking at your photos, while flattering photos are the prerequisite to be able to use them, they are not the objective. Ooh, I like this. This is going to be good. So for those of you who don't know John D'Amato, John is a visual storytelling expert who works with other experts to help them create their visual assets so that they appear to be the authority that they are and that they're worth every single penny that they're paid. And you know what? That's important to us because we're paid well to be speakers and we want to make sure that the audience understands that we are worth it. So, John, let's get into this. First of all, before we unpack your tips, why does photography make you appear to be an authority? Well, Tom, when it comes to creating relationships with those, uh, be it people that would be in your audience or people that you serve in a consulting aspect or whatever the tentacles of this particular expert's business would be, you need to build connection with people. You need to let them into your world. And through different types of lifestyle photography, when you show people how the sausage is made, that really gives them an opportunity to have an entry point into your life and to really see and not just read and hear about how you can help, but see what that looks like. And that helps build that relationship beyond just the words and just the, uh, the website, the landing page and all the sales copy. So we spend a lot of time in the speaker world talking about your demo reel. People spend a lot of time thinking about the, the video assets that they put out there. But I think a lot of people overlook the importance of the still photography. Do you think, do you think that's true? 
Well, it's never an either or. It's always a yes and because video is obviously very important with the real because, you know, event professionals need to see that you actually do what you say you do. That's on your speaker page with your bio and description. But with the photography, it's important as well, because aside from the fact that you need those images for your one sheet for all the promotional things, you also need those images because you don't know where people are in terms of uh, where they're at in their buying process. You know, they could be at the very beginning. They're just figuring things out. They could be towards the end. Video is very strong at closing deals while photography is wonderful to give you an introduction into people because when you're watching video, you really need to invest some time. You're listening to the sound, you're watching it. It's a fully immersive thing. You can digest an image in seconds and inform an opinion of someone. And that's why the images are very important, especially at the top end of when people are starting to think about, you know, how they want to solve their problem and hire someone to do that. Yeah. You know, I'm excited about this discussion because I think that a lot of our peers don't think through the importance of that still photography. So I want to jump into the two tips that you have. The first one you had was don't put on a show, but wait a minute, we're speakers. That's what we do. Hey, we're putting on a show and now I've got a photographer with me, whether I'm going to be on stage speaking or whether I'm doing a, a portrait sitting. It's like, oh, I must put on a show. I must be speaker man, right? Yeah. And by show, what I really mean is uh, stretching beyond that of your personality and disposition in the way that you live your life and do your work. What I've encountered with a lot of clients where I've had to come in and kind of refresh what they've had is that in the past, they've kind of gone out and bought clothes that they would never really wear in front of an audience or during their day to day, but they think that's what they need to do. Or, you know, on, on a much more ridiculous and, you know, some people, you know, posing in front of planes and doing the car thing and being <laughs> all jazzy. And, and let's be honest, the reality is when you do stuff like that, it, it just takes away from who you are as a human being and who you serve. And this is the core of your being and of your expertise. If you stay in the pocket, what will happen is that you're going to attract people that not just only like you, but they also know that you can help them. So it's one of these things where you could be in the same room with someone for hours or work with them on a screen for hours and you'll know. I like this person beyond that or how they can help me. And that's why it's important to just put out assets into the world, video, photos, all those things that are germane to who you are as a person. So you do not attract people that would be a very bad fit on both ends. So it's interesting because I, th I think you're right. I think sometimes people do, you know, wear, you know, couture looking clothes if they're doing some sort of a, a photo shoot or like you said, posing in front of a private jet when you're really not the private jet person because somehow you think you're putting out this other image. So if you're not supposed to put on a show, how do we be ourselves when we're having pictures taken? The key with that is to understand who you are who you serve, the problems you solve, how you solve them, and why you do what you do. When you answer those questions on a deeper level uh, individually, that allows you the opportunity to truly understand what needs to be captured in front of the camera, your personality, aspects of your personality across the emotional spectrum, what you should be wearing because this is what you wear at home and this is what you wear client facing, the locations in which we work, in which you work, so that that's represented in the images. And 
you know, other aspects of your life that are important to you that helps, um, you know, your self-care as well as your family life, as well as your hobbies and activities that paints a much broader, well-rounded picture so that it gives those people in your audience an opportunity to truly get a sense of who you are and what you bring to the table. So most photographers who are going to do like a, like a, you know, headshots or portraits aren't spending a lot of time up front talking through these lifestyle pieces of the photographer of the uh, subject to help them sort of figure out what to wear and where it could be. It sort of becomes sort of cookie cutter. They, they just meet the person, the person brings the wardrobe they're going to do and they take the pictures. I know from talking to people who've worked with you, you spend a lot of time up front really getting to know the subject who you're going to photograph. So let's talk a little bit about that process so you can help them not put on a show and be themselves. Right. Well, yeah, I have a, a strategy call question list that's somewhere around 30 questions. And depending upon how much time I spend with that particular person, um, I curtail it to be able to uh, have the specific questions that will help inform us of the types of images that really need to be captured. And also not just what needs to be captured, the details, you know, what kind of pens do you use? Do you have a special notebook that you write ideas in? Wh- where do you brainstorm ideas? What is working? with clients look like, you know, being on a screen or in person, or is it just from a stage? Do you have any books? All of these types of questions are unearthed during these uh, strategy call, because at the end of the day, this is a time and money investment. And when the goal is to position you as an authority in your space while also being a relatable and empathetic human being. And also, in addition, getting every image that you need that can be plugged into your marketing and promotional efforts. There needs to be a lot of strategy because we don't just show up and hope for the best. That's not the way to do it. We want to make sure that we set ourselves up for success with this collaborative effort. And that's why I ask all those questions. So you talk about the fact that getting every image you need What are the images that a speaker needs? Well, we need to obviously have the traditional headshot, the the tight photo, which goes everywhere across your uh, profiles on social as well as your website. We need some wider portraits as well uh, that also go to your website and it's for online content as well as your speaker sheet. We need to think about all the printed materials that are within your marketing materials could be a printed PDF postcards could leave behinds all different kinds of things as well as presentation slides, email signatures, you know, stuff, thumbnails for your blogs, for your online course. I mean, the fact is this is why we have a strategy call because everybody's business looks a little bit different. There are commonalities. We all work on tech, you know, we all do, uh, we brainstorm ideas. Like there are certain pieces, that everybody has in commonalities, but they all have a little bit of different flavor in addition to the fact that the different tentacles that come out of every expert's business look slightly different. So we need to account for all of them in different types of images. So I love the idea that you ask questions about like, you know, where do you take notes? Do you have a special notebook? Do you use a special type of pin? What do you do if the answer is, you know, I I use like just a a cheap little moleskin that I bought at the supermarket and I use a Bic pen. I mean, there's nothing fancy about the way I take notes or what I write with. What what do you do with information like that? Do we just not take a picture of me taking notes in a a, a simple notebook with a with a Bic pen? 
No, we shoot it exactly the way in which you do it. Because some people I've written, I've photographed uh, some speakers who (laughs) they write their notes on guest check books. Some of them write them on napkins, post-its. Some have really high level, uh, you know, notebooks from uh, England, you know, custom order. Actually, I had a client the other day who had one of those kind of uh, journals and then he was writing with a Bic pen, which I thought was hilarious. But the point is, is (laughs) whatever your world looks like, that's what we need to capture. Again, don't put on a show, just be yourself. So that's interesting because I think a lot of people would be like, oh, better better go find that Mount Blanc that is lost in a drawer somewhere. And I better go out and buy like a fancy leather bound thing if he's going to take pictures of me brainstorming. But you're saying, no, be yourself. You know, if it were that important to them, Tom, they'd be using them every single day. And that's why it's not that important to go find it. Nice. Nice. So your second tip was that the flattering photos, good photos are the prerequisite. That's why we're doing a photo shoot. But you're saying that's not the objective. So what do you mean by that? Well, one of the things that I see a lot on social with some speakers is that they'll have this really emotional, deep story that goes into some of the pain that they've experienced in their life, be it personal or business, whatever the case may be. And then they'll have a photo that uh, looks absolutely wonderful. I mean, breathtaking. But the emotional sentiment of that image is completely incongruent with the story. It's like we see sunshine and roses in the photo and then we're hearing about doom and gloom, but with a kind of a happy ending sort of at the end of that story, there's a disconnect. So by, by saying that flattering photos are the prerequisite, yeah, if they don't look good, you're not going to use them. So there's that great, but that's just bottom level. What we really need are images that are truly telling unique aspects of your story. Images that can visually punctuate the sentiment of every single story you tell, whether it's on your one sheet, it's on your website, it's in your blogs, it's everywhere. I mean, think about it. Where do you post text anywhere that doesn't have an image attached to it? There needs to be uh, a very intentional approach to the way in which you share your stories with your audience when that the image and the visual need uh, the image and the story rather need to work together always. So. What about the different types of photos that we need under this? Because like you said, you, you may have like some upbeat stuff you tell, some, some more serious stuff you tell. How many different images fall under this category of, you know, you know, having being able to tell the story? How many images should a photographer have in their bailiwick? I mean, should a speaker have in their bailiwick? Well, the truth of the matter is, Tom, it really depends upon how they serve their audience and how much of their life they want to share uh, through their content. Um, It's really about identifying the very specific ways in which they serve and also the way in which they work. And if they want to bring in other aspects of their life to share, if it's relevant to their brand, then that really identifies and informs the it's really not about the amount of photos it is about the variety of photos and by that i mean photos that have different expressions composition 
lighting, uh, framing, you know, putting the speaker on the left side, the right side, in the center of the frame, wide shots, medium shots, close-ups. You want to have a large variety of images because that'll give their teams the opportunity to create a lot of diversity in all of the marketing assets that they leverage to help promote the speaker. So a lot of speakers use a lot of photos that are just taken by whoever the staff photographer is when they're speaking. So you end up with, you know, some shots of them on stage and that's pretty much what they use. They get new photos when a client gives them a a decent, a decent photo. So what should we be thinking about if we need new photos rather than just waiting for luck of the draw from whoever took the picture? Should we be bringing a photographer with us? Should we be doing uh, uh, stage shots if we don't have anyone, you know, to come? Should we be faking it and doing shots on stage? Ages when there's not an audience, how, how can we get this variety of pictures? Well, to answer your first question, it really depends on how big the room is and how many people are in there. And it and and that then depends upon what kind of rooms the speaker normally works. If they have an opportunity to be in front of a room that's far larger than what they normally have, my suggestion would be to bring in someone that you trust that can be able to cover that event in a way that's going to create a variety of assets that's going to last for, for a minute. And, and with respect to the types of photos that we're talking about, we don't want just the straight on shots where you look like a little skinny, tiny little peanut. And then there's like a million people behind you. Yes, those are important. Yes, I understand we want to show the size of the audience. But the truth of the matter is you always need to think in terms of wide shots, medium shots and close ups and not just from one vantage point. Ideally, what you want are shots from the left side of the stage, the right side, the audience reacting, the audience writing, any participatory things. We need to see that. If the speaker comes into the audience and does crowd work, we need to see that from a variety of angles. We need to see color shots, black and white expressions. All of these different things are important. Why? Because it gives you the visual variety you need to show yourself off as an authority in your space. So let's shift gears here and let's talk a little about taking pictures yourself with your smartphone or giving your smartphone to, you know, a friend or somebody else to get some pictures with you. Can can we get good pictures just with the technology that we have in our pocket? Yes, you can. You actually can get some good photos. I mean, there there needs to be intention and purpose behind that camera in your hand taking that self-portrait rather than just flinging it up oh i'm here let me just get one really quick and it looks great listen those are fun too i'm not saying that those are not good but if you're really looking to help you know kind of reinforce and complement the professional images that you're getting you really want to have Uh, at least a basic understanding of composition, how to find lighting, understanding what the background looks like to be able to bring you front and center in those photos. It doesn't matter that it was taken with a phone. What matters is that you cared enough to take the extra 30 seconds to line up a shot, get a nice expression and look good in that image. So are these things they can do if they have long arms? I, I'm six foot three, so I can pull off a, a selfie better than someone with shorter arms, I think. But uh, is this something that they should do themselves? Should they be passing these cam- their camera off to someone other than that? Should they be using a self-timer? How can people capture these images with their own phone? 
Yes, you can use the self timer. And by the way, I'm five nine, and my arms are not long, and I'm doing just fine. <laughs> Although I'm a little jealous of your height, if I'm being honest. <laughs> However, with that being said, really, what it's about is understanding uh, some basic composition. And uh, one of the things that I see a lot with uh, folks, all types of folks, not just speakers, is that they like to do the uh, drone shot, have the camera over the top of their head, shoot all the way straight down. Please stop doing that. Whoever does that, please stop doing that. Weren't we taught that that makes us look skinnier if you put the camera up really high? Actually, what it does, Tom, is subconsciously it lets people know how insecure you are about how you look at eye level. That's what it does. And that's my point. Shooting at eye level, maybe slightly above eye level is a better way to go. And uh, finding lighting sources to be able to light you from the front and not from behind would also be another thing. And one of the real keys to really stepping up a self-portrait is to get the camera out of your hands, to invest 50 bucks in a, in a phone mount and a small light stand. And just to be able to hit the self timer and set yourself up, that will make your self portrait photography infinitely better just by doing that. So you can then bring a bring a little stand for your camera and set some things up. So what are some tips for people who want to do that? Aside from just the pure composition, how can I take a good a good portrait all by myself? The first thing is to give yourself 10 minutes to play. That's number one. Everybody's in a rush. When you're in a rush, the photos are going to look like you're in a rush. So don't do that. Say I'm going to set a it doesn't have to be 10 minutes, but a certain amount of time to be able to find one, two shots, right? Then the next thing is to identify your space. Where are you? Where are the visually busy things? Stay away from that because it's going to compete visually with your face, which is the money of the image, right? So that would be number two. Number three, find the light. Once you find the, and by finding the light, what I mean is having flattering light washed across your face in a way that you don't have raccoon eyes, that you don't have crazy shadows and that everything looks very flattering. And then number four, experiment and play with your expressions. Amuse yourself. Be serious. Look away from the camera. Look to the camera. Use the self timer to keep playing, skim through them. And then there you go. You get, you'll be able to get a couple of usable shots that way. So you bring up an interesting question going back to working with a photographer, and that is take a lot of pictures. So when you work with a subject and you're doing sort of a a portrait with a bunch of different maybe areas that they're sitting in, you know, walking around doing some different things. How many images do you usually take during a, a session? Oh, God, I don't know so many (laughs) uh i can parse that down a little bit uh by a lot what i'm really doing is if if they're not speaking let's say uh it's the kind of photos where they're working on their computer or they're writing notes in a notebook or they're doing something solitary like looking out a window thinking to themselves those go very fast the moment that they start speaking, for example, if I'm photographing a staged virtual presentation on my laptop, that's going to be burning through a lot of photos because photographing people speaking is obviously a bit challenging and it's times 10 on a screen. And then if they're speaking in front of the camera during a consultation, you know, like a one-on-one consultation in the same room, that's another thing. But I did a photo shoot uh, yesterday and I shot about a thousand photos for four hours to give you an idea. Nice. And from that thousand photos, how many will that speaker end up using in their different things? How many how many will they say, yep, I'm taking these? Uh, it's about 40 percent. 
That's a lot of photos that they'll end up taking. Yes, it is a lot of photos. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot, a lot of photos. (laughs) So if somebody is listening to this thinking, yep, I've got to I've got to up my visual storytelling game for both my website and, and my social media and everywhere else that I would use a photo. How do people go about sort of qualifying the photographer that they're going to hire? What, what are some steps to find a good photographer? Step one, ignore, not ignore, but put to the side for a second, their portfolio and their price tag. Number two, have an actual conversation with these people. And what you're trying to identify in this conversation is a couple of things. Number one, can I stomach this person in the same room for X amount of time? That's number one. Is there a rapport? Step uh, number two, is there proof that this person understands exactly what it is that I need? Step three, do they actually have the ability to deliver on what they're promising? And the fourth one is making sure that there is a level of Aside from rapport, just a comfortability, there's a trust factor that they're going to be able to handle capturing their likeness and image in a way that's befitting their personality. So you said put the the, the portfolio and the price tag aside. Eventually, you have to go back and, and look at their body of work and decide if, if, if the price is appropriate for your budget. So when looking at those things, what should we take into effect? Does the work resonate with you? don't just think I have a referral from a friend that I trust and I love their photos just because you love their photos. Doesn't mean that they're going to create the same type of photos for you Uh, or that the photos that they created on conversely, they don't resonate. They don't, you know, you have to be comfortable with these images because they are the front line of your marketing efforts. And if you don't have confidence in them or you don't feel like you recognize that person, they're not going to work. All right. So you have worked with a lot of professional speakers capturing the the images for their website, their social media, for all of this. What haven't we covered that you wish every speaker knew when it came to their visual storytelling? You need more than two to three photos. So stop with that. I only need two to three photos nonsense. All right. This is 2022, people. You need a, a whole portfolio of images for a wide variety of things. (laughs) <laughs> nice. Nice. So, John, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, I, I got to take a look at his stuff or I, I need to find John D'Amato, how do people find you? They could go to my website, johndomato.com. I have my blog there. I have all the links to my social, you know, all that fun stuff. Nice. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us here on Speakernomics and talking about the importance of visual storytelling for speakers. Thank you for having me, my friend. Hey, and thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. Do me a favor. Join us every single week for more thoughts, ideas, and actionable information on how to make more money and be more successful as a professional speaker. And always remember the motto of this podcast. Speak. Get paid. Repeat. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.